I'm Lloyd Freeman, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer of Buchanan, Ingersoll & Rooney, and this is Dimensions of Diversity. Women in corporate America continue to break glass ceilings, but female talent at the C-suite level is still underrepresented. In fact, when it comes to compliance officers, just one third are women. This year for Women's History Month, we are spotlighting women in the C-suite. My guest today, Kathy Gaddis, serves as the Chief Compliance Officer for Amerisource Bergen, which is ranked 10th on the Fortune 500 list. Kathy, welcome and thank you for joining me. Lloyd, thank you so much for asking me. Let's talk a little bit about your journey. In late 2018, you moved laterally within your company from Chief Human Resources Officer to Chief Compliance Officer. What prompted that move? Lloyd, I've been working with Amerisource Bergen for many years, um, you know, for about 12 years. And uh, in, in 2018, Amerisource Bergen entered into a corporate integrity agreement with the government of the United States. And as a result of that agreement, they needed a senior leader to step out and independently report to the CEO to be the chief compliance officer and to liaise with the government. And um, you know, they were looking for someone that they had a lot of confidence in, that the board trusted. And essentially, when you think about compliance and the requirements to be a chief compliance officer, you're really looking at an aspect of good governance for a public company. And I have a lot of experience in that area having served as a lawyer for most of my career and a corporate secretary for our board of directors and, and other boards of directors. And um, you know, my capabilities were particularly suited to the job of chief compliance officer and uh, the leadership skills I, I learned in the time that I was privileged to spend as the head of HR uh, also helped me in, in terms of thinking about how do we build out this organization even better to have you know, a very effective compliance program for Amerisource Bergen. Wow. And so then the pandemic, of course, it has affected all of us, but can you tell me a bit about how the pandemic has affected your job specifically and has it made it any more difficult? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I think the job, the pandemic, of course, has made most people's jobs more difficult because so many of us want to be in person and a lot of the tasks that we do um, we need to do in person, or at least we thought we did. And, and we're also missing the, you know, the, the hallway interaction. So all those things, of course, have affected me. I, I think my department, and again, if you think about what a compliance organization does, they give a lot of advice, as lawyers do, that you can do over the phone or, or telephonically, electronically. But you know, starting out, we were very concerned that we wouldn't be able to do the other part of our role, which is to actually monitor the business and check to make sure everything is in compliance or, you know, find out if there are any gaps that need to be addressed. And most frequently, you do that in person. You send actual individuals out to interview people and, and to look at, you know, documents. And that was, that was a big challenge. And I'm so proud, not only of the people in my department, but of the people in Amerisource Bergen, because I think that we we have shown such adaptability and, and, and resilience through this process to deliver medicines in a timely manner to the patients that need them. And um, so we're, we're really, um, it's very important that we do our job and do it well to serve the patients all across the United States and, and our global customers. I love that. Never prouder. Um, not only I'm sure are, are you proud of the business and how the business has adapted to this, this new normal, but you also have to be proud of yourself. 
Um, Kathy, you know, just looking at your work history and how you've worked in big law and as an in-house counsel, you've worked in the finance industry and in securities. These are typically male-dominated industries. Did you ever feel that you were blazing a trail for women? I would not say that I am a trailblazer for women. What I would say is that I think it's important that all of us should be role models and encourage those who are coming after us. And you know, when I look about my career, especially my career in the field of law, I had, I had the pleasure and, and the honor of working for a woman I truly think was a trailblazer in Philadelphia. And her name was Judge Norma Shapiro. She was one of the first women to serve on the federal bench in the Eastern District. And um, I truly think she was a trailblazer. She tells stories of being one of only a few women in, at Penn Law. By the time I got to Penn Law, it was pretty much half and half. And, and she talks about stories that were even unimaginable by the time I began my career. So from her perspective, I think um, she was truly trailblazing. And you know, those of us who come after build on the things that people have done before us. Um, but, but as I said, you know, what I think is important for me is to remember that you are a role model and that you need to encourage people, uh, young women, young men, and, um, and, and uh, you know, to, to continue to do their best in, in their jobs and to expand be maybe, you know, beyond what they think they're capable of. So, so in that sense, I do feel, you know, an obligation and a duty and, oh, and it actually makes you know, my career more fulfilling to, to think that is part of it. I wanna circle back to something you just mentioned. When you were in law school, um, you mentioned that the demographics were somewhere around 50-50, uh, men and women. And so of course, as we both know, people leave law school, everyone takes different paths and some people go you know, the private practice route and some go to the government and eventually some go into corporate America. Why do you think though that there are so few women um, who have actually navigated corporate America and gotten to the C-suite uh, across the country? Um, you know, that's a great question, Lloyd. Um, and I, I, you know, I think one problem is pipelining in the sense that I think women uh, often drop out at different parts of their career. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I actually stopped working for about five years myself when my children were young. And so I stepped out of corporate America and I, I, I taught a single course at Villanova Law School and, and you know, was home most of the time. So I understand you know, the, the desire to do that and also kind of the fear of getting back in after you've done something like that. And I think that's one aspect that women maybe do that more frequently than men do. And then that may impede their progress. And I think we have made great strides at bringing women like women who have done things like that or people that have taken career changes back into the workforce. But I think that's a work in progress and we can keep doing more in that area. Um, I also think, and it's not just when you have children, I think uh, women who are taking care of elderly parents also face similar struggles. And it's interesting, I was at a, 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 a meeting of the Women's Council at, at Penn Law School for alumni over um, a, a couple of years ago, and the women were all talking about, don't drop out now. 
you know, if you've made it this far, don't don't drop out now for the same reason that, you know, we want women to keep achieving. So I think I think that's part of it. Um, I think women may also, you know, and this is a generalization, but maybe I think women in, have not always thought they were capable of taking the next step and they've undersold their own talents or they might've been afraid to take a risk. And um, I think that that is an aspect of it and they haven't maybe necessarily asked for the promotion. But having said all those things, I do think, I do think Lloyd that, um, you know, corporate America is hearing the need to have diversity and, um, and to have a broad spectrum of views and representation in the senior leadership suite and senior management roles. And, um, you know, for example, Amerisource Bergen has three female directors out of uh, 11 directors and, you know, four of the direct reports to our chief executive officer are, are female. So, um, and, and importantly, you know, the next layer has a lot of represent diverse representation. So I think one needs to be very deliberate about moving you know, others forward. And I think, I think that maybe we, in the past, corporate America wasn't as deliberate in, in choosing to move as many women forward since, you know, that was the question you asked. But we are seeing progress. And I love the fact that you're uh, outlining how the, the pipeline is there. And so the future uh, talent for most organizations, it's going to be even more diverse than it is today. And as you know, and because you and I have talked about these things, uh, it's, it's really important to talk about these, these matters and have senior leaders you know, be committed and, and not just committed verbally, but also committed in, in their compensation structures, in their incentive structures, to make sure that it's always top of mind to give everyone an opportunity. Yes, an equitable opportunity. And Kathy, as we mark Women's History Month and we celebrate the theme this year, which is valiant women of the vote refusing to be silenced, tell me what this month means to you. And specifically, why do you think women's voices have actually grown louder and been amplified in the past decade? Well, obviously, Lloyd, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing to think that, you know, I guess it's only been 100 years since we've had the right to vote and that it was an, ever an issue. And, um, you know, so obviously it's, it's, it's very important that women have the right to vote. And when you look at the representation of women now in Congress, you see that there's, uh, it's, it's, there's been so much progress in terms of, again, getting diverse diversity into Congress, um, both race, and ethnicity and, and, and gender. So it really is a celebration of the, uh, the progress we've made. I think, oh, you know, I just also think it's very interesting. I don't know if you know this, the Museum of the American Revolution is having an exhibit that's talking about the 30 years after the Revolutionary War where um, some, where women in New Jersey had the right to vote, but they actually lost it. So, um, you know, it's interesting to think there was a pocket of, of a right to vote, but it took so many years later to, to actually enact the 19th Amendment. But I think women's voices are louder because there's more acceptance of people being able to voice their opinions and people have more confidence in um, the, the, that people will listen 
to what they have to say. And people are listening. I think that's part of, of the progress that we're seeing. So what do you think are some of the challenges that, that women still face and, and how can they overcome them? Well, Lloyd, um, I think that the pressure point that I mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast of, of should I stay, how do I balance? You know, I think men and women, all of us care about having not only a work, but family life and outside interests. Um, and I, I, I truly believe that. And I, and I think what we're seeing now, at least I think I see it in the workforce is that there's much more of an ability to talk about that, uh, you know, for both men and women. But I still, I still think women especially feel pressure and maybe uh, sometimes, uh, you know, pressure to how do they balance these aspects of their life. I know speaking personally, I certainly felt that for many years and, and, I, can, and I continue to feel it, you know, with, with elder care. And um, so I think, I think that's a big challenge. I think perversely, the, the pandemic has helped maybe manage that challenge more. It has allowed people to see that maybe you can, you can have a very flexible uh, work environment where you can move from one aspect to the next. Um, I think I've always been a, a great multitasker. I can move step. I mean, if I can move from one thing to the other, but I think the pandemic and working remotely has taught more people how to do that and to be comfortable with doing that. So, but that that's certainly something you know I hear from um, the people that work for me. You know, there's concern about. Uh, about that kind of flexibility and balancing and, and at different points of their life where there's pressure. I, I, I would say, um, I guess challenges, other challenges, I think equal pay is a challenge and asking for pay is a challenge for women. And uh, some, many people aren't comfortable doing that, but I, I think that is also a challenge that women face today. I love the fact that you, you talked about how women, they have to wear so many hats. And um, uh, you talked about, of course, your family obligations and of course, also wanting to excel in your career, but then there's community. And uh, the way that I actually know Kathy for all the listeners is that uh, she and I serve on a board together uh, of a nonprofit. So all of the pressures of your job, Kathy, uh, you still find time for community involvement. What organizations or what causes are really close to your heart? Well, Lloyd, thank you. I, as you know, Big Brothers Big Sisters is is an extremely uh, fabulous organization. Um, I truly believe in the mission. I believe in in mentorship. I believe in the power of personal relationships, and what I think is is so important about Big Brothers Big Sisters. You know, not only did I see it, you know, a relationship at work when I was younger, and growing up in Lancaster, I my neighbor was a big brother, and I. I really was struck by the relationship that was developed between the, the little, as we say, and, and the big brother and, and kind of what it did for both parties. Um, but again, I really, really truly believe in, in the mission and the importance of mentorship. So I feel privileged to serve on the board of Big Brothers Big Sisters. And I, I also have benefited greatly by meeting you know, the people that are, are likewise passionate, such as yourself, about this organization. And you know, for me, especially at this point in my career, finding 
you know, one or two organizations that I care deeply about uh, that, and being able to really be involved is very fulfilling. And to be able to see the impact. I know that's what really strikes me is when you can see uh, a young person and, and how they are maturing and how they benefit so greatly from having someone who really cares about them in their life. You're right. That's um, absolutely true. On the professional side, I know you mentioned uh, at least one of your mentors. I'm sure you've had many over the years. Give me the best piece of professional advice you've ever been given. I will begin by saying that um, my current CEO, Steve Collis, uh, gave me and others the advice that we should have intellectual curiosity and intellectual confidence in the performance of our jobs. And that is so true because the more you are curious about deeply understanding things outside of your actual job um, in other business departments or even in other businesses, you can bring that back to your own uh, department or your whatever job you're currently doing and you can uh, you know, perform it better. So I, tru I truly believe that. I think it's a great professional advice. And, and I also think it makes someone's job more interesting. Um, so I, 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 I also think that, you know, some advice that I received early on is that you have to take charge of your own career. And when I was a young lawyer, I kind of thought, you know, because when you're in law school, there's sort of progression. You, you go through law school and there's certain job opportunities you might have. And it seems as though that will continue. But um, once you begin working, I think most people quickly realize that you need to be very um, intentional about trying to seek out opportunities and figure out what you need to, to become a better lawyer. And, and that requires a lot of initiative. And I think that's very good advice too. That's great advice. As we wrap up, I want to make sure that we instill a bit of optimism about where we're going. Uh, I know that this past year has been tough and we've been on quarantine and on lockdown and starting to work from home. What have you missed the most uh, over the past year? Lloyd, well, I think I speak for, I'm sure I speak for many, many people that it's, you know, the, the, the ability to just see someone in person and have a casual conversation and not be on a video. I miss that the most. I mean, and it's, it's been really tough not seeing family and friends on a regular basis. And, and also, you know, occasionally being fearful about <laughs> just normal interactions. So I'm very, very much looking forward. And I think we're on the cusp of being able to get back to normal. I'm very much looking forward going back into the workforce and, you know, being able to see, you know, my colleagues in person, even if it's only part of the week. And, and also for us in, in the things that we do, uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters being one where we can begin to have those more personal interactions. Yes, I'm right there with you. And actually it, it's due in large part to companies like Amerisource Bergen that will hopefully be able to bring back that normalcy soon. Kathy Gaddis, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. 